Okay. Visiata de Shemaya. We are up to our third limud together on Shalom Bayis. And what we spoke about last time is communication as being the other most critical part for Shalom Bayis. First part being uh, respect and the second being communication. Uh, I'd like to introduce a continuation of the discussion of communication where we get into much more uh, treacherous water with a famous Mishnah in Avos. And uh, that Mishnah ultimately will take us to the, the next topic of communication as well as the, the subsequent topic of giving. Everybody knows the Mishnah Avos in Perikei Mishnah Chavbei says that if a person has these three things, they're students of Avram. What are those three things? Ayin Taiva, a good eye. Ruach Nemoicha, a humbled spirit. V'nefesh Shefala, and a nefesh, a soul that is low. We'll discuss uh, shortly what is the difference between Ruach Nemoicha and Nefesh Shefala. Our Third discussion is going to focus on ayin teva, good eye. We spoke about last time the integral parts of communication, how important communication is. But when it comes to uh, communicating, there are times when communicating is easy when we do right. Uh, for example, we spoke about showing that one's listening by repeating that one really understood what one, one wife, what one's wife said, truly listening, and that is being an integral part of communication. But there is something that's, that's more, more than that. There are times that we have to communicate on sensitive topics, on topics where it's not so easy uh, to be able to navigate a, a clear understanding that you're that I'm with you let me explain what I mean when it comes to listening how one's wife's day is if you do it right that shouldn't be too hard even though it's it is a tremendous uh, Nisan for many people when it comes to uh, being able to show that you care that should be something that it's quite clear the terrain is quite clear but when we're talking about talking about things that you disagree about, or talking about things when at times there needs to be constructive, you think there needs to be constructive criticism, so that is much more, that's much more complicated. And that's where the Ayin Tova comes in. The Ayin Tova is not always necessary when it comes to be able to show that you care. That's, that's something that should be almost uh, natural. But when it comes to when it comes to times where you're on slightly different paths, so that's where an ayin tova is extremely important. <clears throat> now I'm going to start with a a shita that I'm not going to advocate with. About I'm not going to advocate the shita, but I'm going to talk about its merits, even though we're going to end up in a different place. There is a book, a set of books put out by Breslover Hasidim. Uh, I think the, the author is Rabbi Arush, um, Garden of Amuna, uh, and he talks about uh, and he talks about Shalom Bayis as well. 
He has one for men, one for women. And the one for men says that if you're a, wim, a woman and you're reading this book, you're, terrible, terrible things are going to happen to you. And if you're reading the woman's book and you're a man, then also terrible things are going to happen to you. Basically, in those two books, what he does is, is what's appropriate is he tells men how they have to be better and don't worry about their wives' shortcomings. And he tells women in their book that they shouldn't worry about their husbands' shortcomings, that they have to be better. Um, and an, an example of Rabbi Arusha's approach is he t- so he's of the ashita that everything has to be positive all the time to the point that he says that there is no place for constructive criticism. And the reason that he says that there's no place for constructive criticism is based on the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov, Zuchusa Yogen Aleinu, where the Baal Shem Tov uh, describes that every mum that a person sees in somebody else is really their own mum. Based on uh, Chazal, that Chazal say that uh, that a person uh, recognizes someone else's sees a mum in someone else, they're really seeing, they're recognizing a mum that's already that's already in themselves. So Rabbi Arusha's mahalach is that any chisaron that you see in your wife is really something that Kaddish Baruch Hu wants you to work on in yourself. So that's a very, very, very powerful point in terms of ayin tova. The nature that a person has often is to focus, mitalmid of shel bilam, is to focus on the chisaron of somebody else, not to focus on their own chisaron, to focus on other people's chisaron. And ayin tova says, wait a second, are, are you sure that this chisaron is really, really a chisaron uh, maybe there's something in the way you're interpreting it. Or maybe the reason you're noticing it is because you have a tendency for that chisaron, and what you should be doing is working on yourself as opposed to focusing on your wife's uh, shortcomings. So, as we're going to continue to develop more and more, there's no question that we shouldn't be running to see our spouse's chisaron. At the same time, what we're going to do is develop a mahalach based on ayin toiva that is going to, on the one hand, recognize that there are times to speak about constructive criticism for one's spouse, yet at the same time, to, to do it in a way, to develop it in a way that is, most, that is most productive. The reason why I disagree with Rav Arush is because I do think that there are times that a person is not supposed to be passive when it comes to chesronos. I'll give you an example. Let's say one's wife, let's say by her nature, she's very laid back. And there are things that uh, one's child does. If it's laid back and it is inconvenient for you, then that's fine. But what happens if in her laid back personality, there are things that you think that your child is learning behaviors that they're learning to do that's inappropriate. So then in such a case, it could very well be that you and her have to work through it in a way that you communicate with each other that maybe there's something that we could be doing better in terms of the child's chinuch. So I don't accept the notion that there isn't any time for us to discuss something constructively. Uh, but at the same time, we'll see that when one works with Ayin Tova, a lot of times that we think that we should be doing, giving constructive criticism, really there's a totally different way of looking at the situation. The Zayar describes <clears throat> that the way in which the neshamas 
of a husband and wife reflect each other are like a moon. In other words, there is the sun and the moon that the wife is the moon. There are many Mamari Chazal that the moon corresponds to the feminine form. That the husband is the sun and the wife reflects the amount of light that he puts to her. So the more darkness one puts on her, the more darkness that's going to be inside of her. The more light that we reflect, the more positivity that we reflect, the more uh, there is going to be light in our own marriage. And so therefore the avoda of Ayin Tova is an extremely important avoda to focus on the good in one's, one's spouse. Definitely the rule, Safik if you're Mesupak, whether you should be focusing on a chisar and focusing on the positive, for sure the rule is Safik Lechumra. Another Maimar Chazal that of course we need to keep in mind is Ein Simcha, that ultimately if one is focusing on the things that require improvement and so on, as opposed to focusing on enjoying each other, so then that, that as well could deeply hurt uh, a marriage. Those people who have been surrounded when they were younger by individuals who tend to be uh, critical have a harder avoda. And particularly, there are a lot of very bright people and very intellectual people who tend to, to, tend to be critical thinkers. And when it comes to marriage, a lot of the time, that form of critical thinking, you leave for the base medrash. That uh, the whole idea is more of acceptance of, of Ayin Tova. Another example of where husbands will be focusing on something that's negative, where there is no place for it, are those things that they perceive as negative, but aren't objectively negative. For example, if the house is a little messy, is that something that's an objective chisarim? If the house is a little messy? So you might argue that it's good for your children to be around a cleaner house. You feel more relaxed in a cleaner house. They say that the stipler was once, a fellow came to the stipler and said, Rebbe, I need a school and Shalom bias. Every once in a while, the stipler gave schoolas. So the guy got very excited because the stipler got animated and he ran out of his chair to go to another room to get him a schoola for Shalom bias. The stipler came back and he was holding a broom and he gave the guy a broom. He said, here's your schoola for Shalom bias. It's a very, very, very powerful maisa with the stipler. Because what the stipler, Zechusa Yogan Elenu, was saying was that when it comes to, when it comes to Shalom bias, he says, wait a second, you're, you're thinking that you're lacking in Shalom bias because there's something that's missing in your house that your wife is not bringing to the table. And the stipler is saying, you bring it to the table. No one here's wife is perfect. No one here is perfect. That means that there are things that your wife is going to bring into the house that's not perfect, and that means that there are things that you're going to bring into the house that's not perfect. And when Shalom Bayis is working, is when each, instead of trying to change your wife or make your wife better, you pick up the broom. Now this becomes a very a colossal message, a colossal message in terms of helping out in the house, a colossal message in terms of sharing the burden, in terms of uh, house, household responsibilities. But what the stipler is really saying is something a lot deeper than the, that Misa, the first thing that comes to mind. If you ask most people, what's Pshat in the Misa? They'll say that a husband needs to help out more. And the stipler is saying something a lot deeper. The stipler is saying, you think that she has a chisaron? 
No, it's not a chisarin. That's the way it was supposed to be. You want it to be a little different? You pick up the broom and you do it different. Not just that a husband needs to pitch in. If she has a chisarin, that means HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in this, in this way, I agree with Rav Arush. That means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to, to do more work in the house uh, that, than, you, than you thought. And, that, and, that, and that's your responsibility. So when we do think that there is something we need to work on, Honey, you know, um, our son, our son David is uh, constantly, um, is, constantly do, is constantly doing things that I think that's not good for his growth. So, for example, every time he wants something, he throws a tantrum and it seems like we're give, we give him what he wants. And that's not good. That's not good for a child to throw a tantrum and, and always get what they want. So there is room for me and my wife to sit down and to discuss, how do we do this? But there are a bunch of tznoim that are absolutely necessary. Number one, we have to realize that whenever someone is coming with constructive criticism, the Gemara in Erechin says, has a very interesting expression, the Gemara in Erechin says that if you tell someone that he has something stuck between his teeth, he'll tell you, remove the big piece of wood that's stuck in your eyebrow. No, that's what the Gemara in Erechin describes. In other words, what the Gemara in Erechin is describing, at the moment in which you point out to someone that he has a chisaron, his gut reaction is to respond and say that you have a chisaron that that's much greater. So therefore, we recognize that when we're coming to do something that's a constructive ha'ara, we have to realize that by nature it puts someone on the defensive. And therefore, the question is that when we're approaching our wife with that constructive suggestion, are we truly coming from a place at that time from an ayin tova? Or is it that we're focusing our ayin ra is operative? If we have any chashash that what we're coming from is the ayin ra, then it's almost definitely the reaction is going to be one of shkol koro ben enechem that the Gemara in Erechin describes. Number two. How can you how can you be sure? How do you know for yourself how how uh, whether it's Which that? Okay, so that that gets me to number three. I'll go back to number th- two shortly. The first thing that we need to ask ourselves is: Are we coming from a place that's thought out and rational, or is there a little bit of kas? Is there a little bit of inside of kas? And we spoke about last week in the Muslim Shmuel about Igeris Ramban. That, is it coming? Is there is there something that that we were that we were ticked off inside, um, or I've I've come from, I'm coming from a place that's entirely entirely lucid. when we do we're going to of course discuss that any time a parent punishes a child, it's always necessary to take a step back and wait 10-15 minutes before you execute the punishment, because a lot of times the punishment is coming from a place. There's a little bit of cast that's, that's inside. So similarly over here, to take a step back and say, wait a second, let me remind myself all the fantastic things about my wife and let me take a look at the, the Sylvia fresh without, without any emotions. No husband has ever regretted saying, you know what, I'll talk to her an hour, about it in an hour as opposed to now. No one has ever regretted postponing the conversation. So if you ever have... a any type of suffix, am I coming from the entire, a healthy place inside of myself? 
then postpone it. Nothing's going to happen uh, if you have the conversation uh, tomorrow. Usually what happens is we rush into it. So that that's, uh, cast is an extremely uh, important thing that needs to be dealt with. Of course, the Lubavitcher Rebbe has such a beautiful vart uh, where he describes that uh, the Kohen is the one who says that a person has a nega, even though the Kohen is not Maritz, and he goes to a Chacham and asks the Chacham uh, to tell him what the nega is. So he says, why do we go through these things? Because Aaron HaKohen was Oyev Shalom for Raydev Shalom. And whenever you're pointing out to someone that they have a nega, you're giving them constructive criticism. A regular Chacham, someone who's a nice guy who learns in the base Medrash, who gives a good shear, he can't necessarily project that Ava. It's the one who a person experienced practically is Oyev Shalom for Shalom, that individual could give you could give you Musa. And so therefore, the question is whether at that time you were having that conversation with your wife, is there uh, a sense of Ava? Or is she rushed? Is, are you rushed? Are there other tensions that are going on? Again, if there's anything of that, you'll never lose by postponing the conversation. Wait till you have, you have even more clarity and that she is perceiving Ava. Now sometimes it has nothing to do with you. It could be that she's stressed. She's before a big test or she's before something else and it's just hard for her to focus. Now is just not the right time. The timing uh, is going to be extremely, extremely important. Oi! Rachel Imenu turns to Yaakov Avinu and says, Havali Banivim Ayin Mesa Anochi we had last, last week. So everything, everything begins to fall apart right there. You know, Havali Banivim Ayin Mesa Anochi. So Yaakov Avinu, these are our archetypes, they're giants, the Avos and the Imos, but on the human level, Yaakov Avinu, his reaction is entirely defensive. Ayin Mesa Anochi, Havali Banim. Uh, you know, Yaakov Avinu, um, his response is impatience with uh, Rachel Imenu. And the lesson from this is no exaggeration. In other words, if there's something you need, we need to work on, that those types of things need to, to be done in a way that's uh, accurate and honest, and uh, make sure that we're seeing things from uh, her perspective as well. Now this gets back to our opening shear. In our opening shear we spoke about when you take something out of the drawer to think about how it got there. We spoke about for those who don't do laundry, when you pull out your socks, to think about how the socks got there. A lot of times, when a husband thinks that there's something that needs to be improved in the house, it's because he's seeing it from where men are, men are from, they're from Mars, he's seeing it from a Mars perspective. He's not seeing that his wife has does things in a way that's much more varied than he, the way he experienced. We learn Eon in the morning and Halach in the afternoon. We have like these different tasks that we do. Women are constantly multitasking, particularly a woman who is a mother. And the moment in which we realize how much our wives are multitasking, a lot of the things that we think could be done better, if we had to do it, of course we would do it, we would do it worse. So at the, at the end of the day, recognizing the Ayin Tova is recognizing, wait a second, I'm no longer focused only in my own Daladamas, I'm seeing it from her, her perspective. Never label, by the way, this applies to Bein Adon L'chaveru in general, the Kalachomer to one's wife. Never label that what she is. So let's say in the case that we're talking about that uh, every time your son... Uh, um, tantrums, 
So he gets what he wants. That's what you perceive. That's what you perceive is happening. Could be your perception is off, as we discussed. But let's say Nimiach, that you think you, you thought about your perception is correct. So two ways to say. You could say, you know what? I noticed that, that David's been difficult, and every time he gets what he wants, even if he, he then hits, or then even if he tantrums and so on. I think we have to develop some type of approach. So you're talking about what David is doing. A husband who messes up says, I think you're too soft. He labels his wife. And that's not fair. That's not fair. It's not fair and it's, gonna, it's not going to be productive. So instead of focusing, you might believe that your wife is a little bit soft. And by the way, there are a lot of other mindless tovas that she brings into the house because she's soft. But the moment in which you label her, you say that to her, is the moment in which she feels that she's being indicted. In contrast, to come, let's work on the sugi about the way David is behaving. Let's, let's talk about how, how we should go about it. By the way, any time that you think that a child, the child is in, in raising a, ch- a child, that you're not on the same page in terms of chinuch, I guarantee that she wants to be on the same page as you. In other words, anything that's not going well is not because she wants it that way. She wants your help. But there's one condition. You have to come to help as opposed to coming to criticize. If you're coming to help, then it's going to be a, a different, a, a different ballgame. I alluded to the fact that sometimes when one has, uh, one notices a particular midah in, in one's wife as being a chisaron, a lot of time, if you look at it again, you'll see that that midah is also a maila. And ayin tova is also the ability to be able to notice uh, those, those, those mailas. Okay, so that is, that is the, the mahalach in terms of constructive criticism. There's place of construct for constructive criticism. There's place to communicate. We don't take. I don't believe in the breast of her mahalach that everything that she does is by definition positive. No, there are things that, does, that are not considered by definition positive. But on the other hand, ayin tova, ruach nemucha, v'nefesh are absolutely critical in terms of approaching and realizing that the focus always has to be the simcha, the focus has to be the positive, and if there are times, if you follow all the other conditions, so then there is time to grow uh, together in terms of uh, making uh, positive steps towards, towards improvement. But no question that the Stipler's uh, skula is extremely, extremely important uh, to keep in mind. And, and again, it's not only about sharing the burden, which is absolutely critical, but it's also about saying, wait a second, maybe this is your avoda. Maybe this is not her avoda. Maybe this is something that you should be putting your efforts in, into as opposed to asking her uh, to put one's effort, her efforts into it. Yes? Do you think that, I mean, when you said you take like an hour to remove yourself, let's say emotionally from the situation, then you can have a conversation. Do you think there's value in not removing yourself from the emotion um, for the goal of fully expressing yourself emotionally and exactly how you feel to your wife. Right. And even if that brings about tears or some sort of uh, fight or whatever, like, you're being fully open. Right. So I, I hear the premise of the question. I, I, I'm sympathetic to the premise of the question. I think, and everybody is different, I think that 95% of uh, people and couples that I've spoken to that that the it's it's yatsas kharabev say though. 
Um, in other words, the more calm and thought out one is coming to the sugya, the less likely one is to hurt one's one's spouse. Now, that's not to say that if ever that the worst thing in the world is you have a disagreement and you you both um, you both became a little bit emotional. That's not the end of the world. I'm not saying that 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 there isn't that uh, that that's the end of the world. But if you if all variables are working in the best direction, being able to discuss, and, and here's the critical part. I'm not talking about having cold, calculated conversations. I'm talking about discussing one's feelings in a way that will be most productive. So I'm not talking about sublimating one's, one's feelings, but I'm talking about being able to find the right context to be able to express one's feelings in a way that's, that's most that's most productive. And usually, when you're feeling it most intensely, you're actually not in the best place of being able to express it. Okay, let's go on to the next part of the, the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, I would like to suggest Ruach Nemocha Nefesh Shefala are two different things. A ruach nemocha is an individual who has a ruach that's not self-centered. It's a ruach that's namuch, that's bent over, bent over and puts others ahead. And that brings us to the next topic for tonight. And that is, if you will, topic number four. We're doing two topics tonight. Topic number four is giving. Everybody knows Rav Dessler's famous Kuntras uh, Achesed, where he describes that Abba's Nevosh and Hav is giving. There's no question that, aside from respect and communication, one of the critical parts in creating a beautiful marriage is one in which you don't focus on taking, but focuses on giving. So it goes like this Ayin Tova. Ayin Tova is that you're able to focus on her mindless. You're able to focus on the mindless of, of every situation. And then that gives you the ability, that perspective allows you with, with an ayin tova, you have a chance to come to the place of ruach nemocha. If your ayin is ra, then you can't garner the emotional energy that's necessary for giving. So the first step is ayin tova, is, is focusing on the positives. The second step is ruach nemocha, is the ability to be able to, to, to give. And the final is nefesh shefala. Nefesh shefala is not only a state of giving, but nefesh shefala is when you put your own nefesh second to your wife, similar to what the Rabbim describes of being mechabdo yoyser megufa, of giving her more kavod than your own self, where you put you put her first. So ruach ayin tov is the way you perceive. Ruach nemocha is the way you focus on her as opposed to yourself. And that leads to the final chalos of nefesh shefala, is where your soul is surrendered, that your soul is focused not only practically, but on a spiritual level, is, uh, is, being, is being given over uh, to her. Um, and that, that's avodas amidos. That's a beautiful avodas amidos. A beautiful avodas amidos where a person starts by focusing on the good of others, and particularly one's wife, and then focusing, therefore, once one does that, to be able to give, and then that leads to a newer a chalos of a nefesh shefala, where it's not just the act of giving, 
but it's also one's entirely one's entire mindset, a mindset of giving for the sake of uh, giving. So let's talk about giving three different things. Um, actually, two out of the three are not things. The three most important items to give is time, things, and emotional support. Amir Tzashem, we're going to discuss uh, intimacy, uh, and we're going to point out that intimacy, the term in Chazal is referred to as ona, as time. The most important, one of the most important things that a husband can give to his wife is time. Uh, and therefore, giving is not just simply about buying and giving and, and material things, but it's giving one of the most precious commodities that a human being has, and that is their time. Unfortunately, there are a lot of giving husbands that don't internalize that. They think that giving is service. They'll do the stipler's skula with the, the broom, the simcha. They'll buy things for their, their wife. But they don't realize that the most important thing that his wife is looking for is her husband's attention and her husband's focus. And that's not easy in our generation. It's never, it was never easy, but in our generation, that's, it's so much harder. And, and sometimes it comes from a place inside of us that could be a ruchniyistic place, that we have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. we have our learning, we have other chesed that we do, we have responsibilities to the community. I had a tragic situation of a Talmud who was in therapy for years because his mother gave to everybody except to her own family. She was one of the, one of the biggest palas chasadim in, in a famous city in New York, in America. Not in New York, a famous city in America, a legendary balas chesed, but she ignored her husband and her kids. And uh, that's traumatic for, for a child. So that's an extreme, extreme case. But uh, it, you don't only have it in that, in, in that extreme. A lot of times we're, we're focused that there are so many good things that we want to accomplish and what's right there by your door, your, most, your biggest responsibility, your biggest responsibility of giving time to, to the most important person in your life, that somehow gets, gets forgotten. And uh, every single one of us need to constantly be mechazik ourselves, uh, to remind ourselves that the most important investment of time that we could give is to our spouses, because by definition, it's hard for you to understand this as young parents, but you'll see, in Mir Tzashem, 10 years from now, you'll see the amount of time that you invest in your wife in terms of giving her attention will ultimately filter down in terms of the amount of love and attention your children will feel. I can't even explain entirely rationally, but it just goes through osmosis. That if your wife is feeling love and attention from her husband, she will convey that love and attention from her husband into the children themselves. So we'll talk about in Chinuch as well, giving children the necessary time and attention uh, which is absolutely critical, uh, but that's that's something that's so important. Of course, I say over constantly the famous line that there isn't a man who at, who's on his deathbed who wishes that he had spent less time at home and more time at work, but there are many who wish that they had spent less time at work and more time at at home. So that's something that's uh, extremely, extremely important to keep in mind. I told the guys last week I wasn't doing Shalom Bias because I have to do Shalom Bias. I felt that my wife wanted me home on Thursday night. So, uh, so that was my Shalom Bias to you. That's an example of that. that was, that's an example of me giving to my wife. 
that's mashpi, that's giving to others as well. So in this case, it's giving to a wife, it's giving to the Talmidim. But, it, it, but often, it's giving to your wife. Ultimately, that time will somehow, that love and attention will, perme- will sift through to your children. The more your wife feels it, the more that she's going to convey it uh, to the children. And magically, your love and attention will then be reflected and refracted into one's, into one's children. So that's in regards to time. In regards to things, there's, um, what, what's it? I mentioned, I made reference to it in the past, to the Gaisha song, Stevie Wonder, I just called to say I love you. So that's, that's the time part. I just called to say I love you in the middle of the day, to leaving aside whether one should have WhatsApp or not. But at the end of the day, somehow communicating to your spouse that uh, that I love you. Just a short, a short thing. Now, if you're, you know, I'm not saying that you should be interrupting uh, if your seder is going well for three hours straight. To st- that that that's the time to do it. But there are times in the day. Even the biggest masmid should be able to find times in the day to be able to have that phone call or to be able to send that message. Similarly, there are things, very small and simple things, that that show that you're thinking about her. That show that you're you're uh, you're you're thinking, and uh, small things are extremely extremely important. And therefore, you know, we, we were joking beforehand about getting the same set of earrings and so on. It doesn't always have to be even a set of earrings. It could be just even the even the quote unquote smallest things that show that you're showing that you're thinking of her. That that's going to that that's going to be extremely extremely imp- important. Um, you you can't go wrong with flowers unless if unless she doesn't like flowers. But you can't go you can't go wrong with flowers in the sense that it shows that you thought of her. Um, I, I I do think that flowers are crazy in the sense that you know you, it's it's twenty five dollars and in and in two days from now it's in the garbage. So so uh, there's a great there was a great Reader's Digest thing which has a whole essay that the more useless it is, the more your wife appreciates it. And the more functional it is, the least, the least she appreciates it. So uh, it, it's very, very true as you bring in that Reader's Digest. It's, 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 it's one of the ironies. But the, the, the irony is based on a, an MS in terms of Bini Yisera. What's that? Exactly. Exactly. The Bini Yisera is looking for something that has absolutely no functionality but just shows that you care. The moment in which you're being functional about it is the moment in which she she's she looks at it as some type of utilitarian thing. She doesn't look as being entirely focused on me. So that's the, the case I told you about where I bought I bought her uh, a briefcase. By the way, my wife's doing shalom bias for the women in Mishkafayim. So she she told the women the briefcase story, and then she told them that's something I entirely forgot that for my birthday she bought me a big Hershey kiss, and I didn't understand at all what 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 it was. To me, that wasn't a gift. That wasn't a gift at all. So, uh, so just it just goes to it, it just goes to show that goes in both in both directions. And we both have. I didn't even remember it anymore. Now I in Eretz so I don't even need Chalostam. Once upon a time, but but uh, But um, but you know there are different there are different things that you know to her that was in her family that was like buying someone chocolate. Um, that was something that was. Uh, is, was was an expression of endearment. So th- those are the challenges. Those are the challenges. But the more and more we spend time, we'll overcome it. And it's okay for young couples to make these mistakes. It's, if you look back at it in twenty years from now, if you remember it, uh, they, then you'll you'll look back and you'll and you'll look back at it fondly. 
But trying to find those things, you know, using the Stevie Wonder muscle, I just called to say I love you. I bought you this just because I love you, not because it's going to serve to serve a function. That was my mistake with the, the briefcase, that I tried to look for a function to, that she'd appreciate. No, just, just because I care about you. That's what I'm doing. And that's the, the irony of the flowers. One thing when it comes to flowers, that's $20. And then we're talking about a diamond ring that's tens of thousands of dollars. That, that's just a rock. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Eitan. Uh, what does it make you think about when certain precedents are established in terms of things that you do or that are for your wife and then sometimes you don't feel that's necessarily necessary, but let's say a Shabbos flowers is a great example. Right. Every, usually buy, but sometimes I just, do I have to buy this week just because I bought last week and the week before? And do I have to call you this morning during my breakfast break just because I called you yesterday? Absolutely not. Break? Absolutely not. Never feel that what you're doing is based on a precedent. Do it because it's right for now. Do it because it's right for now. If your wife tells you that I, you know what, this is my Mishigas, it means a lot for me flowers every year of Shabbos. So then, now Kaddish Baruch wants you to buy flowers every year of Shabbos. Well, it's not how the Bible would actually say that. It's not going right. to say I want flowers every Shabbos. Like, yes, so you don't, I don't think you have to, you, you, you could mix it up, you could... And you don't have to buy something every Arab Shabbos. Um, but if you, if you sense that she'd appreciate it, it's been a tough week or something like that, that's showing her that you're in the zone of thinking, of, of understanding how she's thinking and feeling, then I think that it, it goes, uh, it goes uh, very, very far. Um, if, you, if you're Masupa, then always go on the era on the side of investing on the, those, those small those small things, yeah. But also, like, do you run the risk of setting those expectations for her? her no, that's the classic husband fear. Um, that and I have a great story. I have a, a, a Talmud who's now a, a he, he's a good ten years older than you guys, and he's a big Talmud Chacham now. And I remember he called me. It was his third or fourth week after marriage. And he said, did I tell you the Kugel story? It's a very important story. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, he, he said the first Thursday night that they were home for Shabbos together, she, he had finished learning. Again, he was a really a very capable Talmud Chacham. Even at the, at, when he was young and married, he was a big masmid. So he said he had finished what he was planning to learn t- that night, and, and he's also a giving person. She was uh, making a Kugel, so she offered to help. He offered to help her make the kugel. So he said the next Thursday night, he was learning, and he hadn't finished what he wanted to learn. And she called, and she said, are you going to help me this week with the kugel? So he said, Rebbe, I realized that I got myself into this Thursday night kugel. I had no intention. I, I did it once, and all of a sudden now, I'm up to three, three weeks in a row. And uh, I, I didn't sign up for this. I said, he said, what am I supposed to do? So I told him, I, the truth is I haven't, I've been in touch with him. I keep on asking him, I just keep on forgetting to ask him. I said to him, every single kugel you make in your Shana Rishona is another hundred daf. Another hundred daf. And I said, I guarantee that in five years from now, you're not going to be making the kugel on Thursday night. So I have to find out whether I'm right about both of them. My sense is of other conversations that I've had with him is that he's not doing the kugel on Thursday night. He's doing other good things. But he's not, he's not doing the, the kugel. I think he was teaching in yeshiva Thursday night. He wasn't doing the kugel on, on Thursday night. And, uh, 
and you don't, so it's the husband's natural fear that I'm setting a precedent by helping out, but it's the exact opposite because what's happening is something very different. What's happening is in the beginning stages of marriage, and by the way, when I say beginning, I'm not only talking about Shana Mishan, I'm talking about the first five, ten years. What you're doing is creating this trust base that I'm always there for you. And the more that the rubber band has been pulled to show that no matter what happens, I'm always there for you, the more that the wife can let her husband go and do the things that he wants to do and she really wants him to do. But the less secure that she feels in him, in, in terms of him being entirely committed to her, the more she's going to need him nearby. You know, it's, it's the phenomenon that's spoken about in the secular world of the nagging wife. The phenomenon of a wife who's nagging is because she doesn't feel that her husband is there for him enough. So she's trying to get him to give more to her. So he nags her. She, she nags him. So that she's gonna, but she doesn't want to nag him to get, to, to get. She wants him to offer on his own. So the moment in which this trust base is created, that I will always be there when you really need me for the kugel, in the initial stages that I'm there for you, then five, ten years from now, she's not going to need that anymore. So if there's this base that's being created in the initial stages where you're showing that you're there for her. And that's something that's extremely, extremely important. Does it, does it work as a science? No. And can I say that every couple that... Uh, could I say that I could promise that to every couple what I promised to, what I promised to him? We'll see if I'm right or wrong next time I speak to him. I have to ask him. Um, I, I, I can't say that I know for sure that it works, but the general you sowed is 100% true. And therefore, don't be afraid about setting a precedent. Be there for her, and the more and more you'll be there for her, the less she will need you to be there for her. And she's not going to need that, that precedent. If it happens to be that she likes flowers, and that, and that you, you sense that that's something that's an integral part of her Shabbos, then... Azayizis, that's the way it is. There's some women who flowers are important. Some women need a Mishpacha magazine every Shabbos. That's what they need. And, and every woman's different. You know, I need Rebel Biederman every Shabbos. Everybody has their thing that they need, that they need for, for, to go into Shabbos. So you, for your wife, it's flowers. And for somebody else's wife, it's the Mishpacha magazine. And so somebody else's wife, it's Rebel Biederman in English. Whatever, whatever it might be, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Is that Right. To, like, let's say one birthday, two birthdays, you realize that you've already created this chazaka of expensive jewelry because you have to do that. Right. It's unrealistic. Un- right. It's Absolutely. Unrealistic. Absolutely. What I'm talking about now is only simple gifts. That's the only thing I'm talking about. The lives of the rich and the famous, uh, you know, how they, how they get themselves into this fantastic quandary uh, where they have to constantly be buying expensive things for their spouses. That's all demyonos. It's all demyonos. It's all demyonos of, of gashmias and wealth and so on. What I'm talking about is something entirely different. I'm specifically talking about everything that I mentioned costs $20 or less. Although mishpacha keeps on getting more expensive. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about, things, that, I'm talking about things that any middle class husband should be able to afford for his wife every, every week. And uh, if, if, if it's, yeah, we're talking about something that's, that's by definition cheap. 
Expensive, we're not, we're, we're not talking about. If someone comes over to me and says, Rebbe, you don't understand. My, my in-laws are millionaires. And my wife is used to a totally different lifestyle than anything you're talking about. So we could discuss. Then that's a different. Then it's a different. That's a different ball game. Um, yeah, I would imagine there are people that uh, that uh, you know who grew up in such a lap of luxury that uh, that that just a, a ten dollar flowers won't won't do any, anything for them. But for that, for ninety nine ninety eight percent of most women in the world, it's not that way. And I think even for the other two percent, if it's coming with a lot of love and care. So then I think uh, that that really is the, the most important way of conveying it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, so let's just review what we did. What we discussed is constructive criticism. We, sp- we spoke about the starting point of Ayin Tova and all of the things that are important in terms of conveying things uh, even in a constructive way by Ayin Tova. And then we spoke about Ruach Nemocha Nefesh Ruach Nemocha being the giving, and we spoke about giving three different things, and that is time, things, oh, and I forgot the last piece. I knew there was something that was annoying at me. And emotional support. Emotional support is absolutely critical for your wife to know that you're her emotional bedrock. That's absolutely important and critical. That does not mean, and this is an extremely important point, and going over time, but it, this, is, this is taka very, very important. That does not mean that you have to always be the only emotional address for your spouse. There's room sometimes for a therapist to help. In other words, someone who's objective. You're not objective. You're subjective as, as being a spouse. That doesn't mean that there isn't a place for your wife to have a teacher or a mentor to go to for advice. And don't be assaulted that your wife decides to go to her teacher um, that she feels close with to ask advice about that particular situation. But at the end of the day, still, you should be the most important emotional address for your, for your spouse. And that's called giving. That requires giving. And the reason why it requires giving, why it's called giving, is because by nature, what happens by, when it comes to giving emotional support is a person has to give a tremendous amount. Just a, a moment to plug for a Rebbe that you feel that you could speak to uh, openly about something that's on your mind. That's a tremendous avoda for the Rebbe to be able to, what's called in Hebrew, to create rekanut, emptiness. Your Rebbe's thinking about the shir. He's thinking about the other guy who spoke to him an hour ago whose problem is much bigger than yours. And he might have something else that's going on in his family at the same time. And then at that moment, to empty himself, Reikanut, to empty himself out and to be entirely focused on you, that's a tremendous, that's a tremendous avoda. Reikanut is, re, is really giving. You have, to give, you have to give everything else that's inside of you, put it on, your, on the side, and to be able to focus. Coming back to the spouse, the spouse who has the ability to create that Reikanut, that you're giving a Chabura tomorrow. You're giving a Chabura tomorrow. And uh, there's some, and you're, you haven't even spoken to your wife about the new complications about what's going to be with the summer and what's going to be with the apartment and all of that. And to be able to be Rick, empty, to be able to focus on what's, what's on her mind is a very, very important avod of giving. In many ways, that is the, most, the greatest gift that you could give somebody else. 
And therefore, there are three things that we have for giving. One is time, the other is things, and then the most significant is that uh, emotional support. And that really requires a ruach nemucha nefesh follow, where you're not putting yourself first, and you're putting your, your wife first. So then the ruach nemocha is that you give, and the nefesh shvala is that you surrender, that your nefesh is secondary to other people's uh, nefesh. You also have to take care of yourself as well, but that's a separate, separate sugya that we'll talk about in the session another time. A good Shabbos. Shabbos.